Welcome to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast, where we look inside the mind of seven-figure entrepreneurs to see how they amplify their business and amplify their life. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is a guy you see behind the scenes contributing to the growth of massively successful global brands like FUBU International, who have got $800 million in annual retail sales and negotiating a highly lucrative brand deal with the likes of Jennifer Lopez and Coles. In fact, this was the largest multi-billion dollar brand deal in history. He is truly an industry titan and the best kept secret in branding, licensing, fashion and business acceleration strategies. Today's guest is highly sought after by the world's top brand celebrities and CEOs and he's now coming out from behind the scenes and opening up his playbook to reveal what it takes to launch and build a massively successful brand and business. Please give a very warm welcome to the show today's guest, Bern Ullman. How you doing, Bern? I'm phenomenal, Paul. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I am super excited to have you on the show. My friend, you were one of the most interesting people that I have ever researched. Uh, absolutely uh, phenomenal stuff that you have going on. Now, I want to start in something that, that I've got to ask is you help negotiate and close the largest celebrity brand deal in history. What what was it like being, being part of that? I mean, three and a half billion. What yeah. was it like? Yeah, thank you. you know, that, that was super cool, to be honest, and and maybe more complex even than most people uh, uh, would would kind of anticipate because it was actually two negotiations in one. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll, I'll I'll share with the audience. So so back in the day, we actually did the deal with Jennifer Lopez and her husband at the time, Mark Anthony, and it was a deal that we did with Coles department stores in the U.S across all of their doors, all of the products. However, the deal was so large that just the advances in lo- uh, alone were so significant that no one wanted to go all the way out on the limb and cut those million dollar checks without knowing that there was a home. So we actually were negotiating with Jennifer and her team at the very same time as we were negotiating uh, with Coles and their senior management. And ultimately, I'll tell you, the way we, we, we really cl- closed that deal, somewhat unique, I think, we really actually created an, an experience, a brand experience that everybody could kind of uh, participate in. So what we did, uh, we, we went out and at the time, and don't hold this against me, at the time, our office were in, were in Trump Tower, Trump oh, wow. Tower in, in Manhattan. There was a time where that was actually a cool destination. <laughs> All right. And so we were in Trump Tower and I went to the building management and they had like one spare office. I said, I want a short term rent. And then we took that spare office and we created our version of what that Jennifer Lopez brand universe might look like. And one of the things we did that I remembered, I was pretty impactful. We rented uh, a bunch of different video screens. 10, 12, 15, and they were all intertwined and made one full wall. And then we created our own video of Jennifer and Mark and played that on this massive wall. We recreated what we thought the product line could look like, all the way down to brand labels 
and hang tags, those little thing hanging off the clothes. And then first we then what we brought Jennifer in and she was like, wow, because you're thinking you're going to meet in a conference room and you walk into kind of your brand universe. She yeah. was like, love it. Good. <laughs> Jennifer, bye. Pleasure. In with the senior management from uh, from Coles. Same deal. Wow. Love it. That was actually the setup. So we went very far, I would say, into creating an experience that everybody could kind of relate to because it was such a complex deal that if you were left with just trying to negotiate the numbers or just stuck kind of in the legalese, it was a deal that very easily could have derailed. Mm. But so that's kind of really how we got uh, over the hump and closed both, you know, deals simultaneously and ultimately had a tremendously successful launch. And it was billed as the largest celebrity deal ever done. I, so it, was it a case of like selling them on the feeling and the, and the dream of that deal happening first? And then it was like, hey, yeah, whatever the numbers work out, we'll, we'll make it work. So it was, everyone's then aligned to make that thing work. It, it, and that's exactly right. We knew already that that was back in the day. And, you know, we know brick and mortar retail isn't doing too well these days. Uh, and I don't even know anymore how many doors calls are, you know, that are fully operational. However, back then they had over 1200 doors and they were all doing, they were going gangbusters. So we already knew if this is an all store rollout in all product categories, we knew that this was a massive deal. How massive we didn't know. We knew it was massive, but you're exactly right. We didn't focus on the numbers. We focused on the emotional connection to the product, to the brand, to the experience, and of course, to the celebrity. And I have done quite a bit of celebrity deals as you know the audience heard in the intro. So uh, I, I think part of the power of doing these deals is how the consumers or fans react to or interact with the brand, because you're getting two things when you do these type of deals. First, you get a bunch of eyeballs. You get because they have built-in fan bases in the millions, right? Mm. So you get a natural built-in audience. And then secondarily, you actually get their trust. The right celebrity enjoys a high degree of trust from their fans, much more so than what we could ever do by saying, hey, buy our stuff. It's great. There are people that live, breathe, and follow celebrities and, and really hang on their you know every word. So you get that trust and trust. We always say trust leads to thrust, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the purchasing decision. So, yeah, that's how we did it. Didn't focus on the numbers, focused on that emotional feeling. Don't focus on the numbers, focus on the feeling. I, I really, really like that. Now, one of the biggest things in any business is, is leverage. And, and I'm, I'm sure our audience is going to be intrigued to know, like, how did LL Cool J actually uh, hijack a, a what was it a 30 million dollar gap commercial to actually yeah. promote fubu and i watched a little video and i was like oh that's, that's, that's genius stuff it, it really is genius and you know there are a lot of different aspects in that that you know led to that but so so one thing is that so so damon john and and his partner damon as you know now shark on on the hugely popular and successful show shark tank back then you know founder of fubu uh, he is a very persistent guy. He, he is no accident. His success mm. is not coincidental. So he grew up in the same neighborhood as LL Cool J. And, and really, it started out with Damon kind of stalking LL 
coincidentally showing up outside of his house every time LL came out the door. So that was the beginning to, to pull him into the brand. And so he was one of the early, you know, brand ambassadors. So he was part of it. So while not the founder, they pulled him in as a face of the brand. So he was financially motivated, you know, to see the brand do well. Uh, when he was asked to, uh, you know, and, and Gap had already been around just long enough that they had kind of their first stumble at the time. And they were losing some of that, you know, coolness and hotness as all of these, uh, they were called back then urban brands. They were really just next generation fashion. Fashion always moves. But the urban brands jumped on the, you know, the scene and the gaps of the world, they were kind of feeling the pain a little bit. So they went, okay, we too can play this game. We're going to be cool and relevant. Let's go to LL Cool J. So he was making commercial for them. And you're right. It was a $30 million national television campaign. So they asked him if they, you know, could he perform like a gap rap, you know, in this commercial? And he said, yes, of course. However, he always wore headgear. So he, and, and Gap didn't have hats at the time. So he was like, hey, is it cool if I just wear, you know, uh, a personal hat in the commercial? And they were like, he's a star. Sure, wear your hat. So he goes onto the commercial wearing a hat that says FB. So that's the start. And FB, you know, all the kids knew that that's short for FUBU. So FB, so he's in the Gap commercial wearing the FB hat. And then I guess he figured that while there, why not? So he's making a very cool rap about the Gap. And then he says, for us, by us, on the low, and continues to rap about the Gap. Well, for us, by us is the acronym for FUBU. So he actually dropped the FUBU name in the middle of the Gap commercial. And on the low is, of course, don't tell the stupid, you know, XX that booked me. So it's just between us, you know, you, the cool kids and, and, you know, but for us, by us on the low. Yeah. So and, and obviously at one point after the whole thing was done, campaign was out, it launched. Uh, heads were kind of rolling a little bit over at the Gap. But only for a second, because what happened was all the kids were like, they got it perfectly. Oh, so like, we must be able to get food at the Gap now. So they all went to the Gap stores. So all is well that ends well. But yeah, that really launched uh, FUBU. It's a phenomenal campaign. Yeah, it's so, so smart. And um, it was also interesting that Gap didn't pull the campaign as well, because I was, I was watching through the story and you think, oh, and they go, oh, no, we did it wrong, and you know, yeah. let's pull it. And they just went, well, we're going to have to go with it because we spent $30 million on it. <laughs> exactly. Not, you know, as I said, I don't think they had much choice. But as I said, it also it worked out reasonably well. The FUBU guys were incredible. I mean, there are so many lessons, to be honest, to be, be learned from how they went to market. They started out kind of, you know, bootstrapping, uh, as a lot of entrepreneurs do. And, and one of their first kind of campaigns was uh, in Hollis, Queens, where they, where they launched, you know, at night when, when business is over, every shop over, uh, owner steps out and there's like this metal grid that he pulls down to close up shop mm -hmm. just to keep everything safe and make sure it's there in the morning. Yeah. And over the years, they got really grimy. The FUBU guys went shop to shop and offered to clean the metal grades, paint them, in return for putting the FUBU logo on the gates. Cost absolutely nothing other than some man hours. 
and shop owner after shop owner, they're not there. The shop isn't open. What do they care? And they were happy to have these gates, you know, uh, cleaned and painted. So at night, you would see the FUBU logo Everywhere. from shop to shop to shop. Pretty smart stuff. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Now, you talk about entrepreneurs at different stages of business, and I think... Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what stage people are at in business, like that 3.5 billion deal, right? Until you've done it, you didn't yeah. maybe know in your head it was even possible. But people, some people might be like charging $100 is crazy. Some people charging $100,000 is crazy. So how do you get your customers to happily pay you more than your competitors? Yeah, so, so I think a lot of that has to do with uh, aspirations and mm -hmm. the aspirations of your brand. So I am a very firm believer in brands and branding. And that's really where I have spent my career. So I applaud anyone that is in business, of course, and anyone that's doing any form of commerce. Okay, so I applaud you. However, if you don't have a brand, uh, I will argue that you're selling yourself short and you're leaving money on the table. Because at the end of the day, uh, a strong brand with strong brand equity will allow you much more uh, financial freedom. So uh, a brand is just, you know, some form of design or distinguishing mark that sets your product or service apart from the customer. Hmm. If you don't have that, you are left to compete on only one thing, price. So, and there's always someone a little more desperate, you know, willing to work on lower prices than you. So I often say that if you do that and you, you're working with, you know, non-branded products, you'll find yourself in a debt spiral race to the bottom. Because again, always someone undercutting you. So a brand, on the other hand, is now an emotional connection to your audience. So when you build that strong brand equity, it allows you such more, so, so much more freedom to operate. So strong brand equity, when the brand and, and brand equity is kind of the perceived value of the brand in the mind of the consumer. Mm. And when you do that, and they're thinking that there is a value, that is when you can charge more uh, for your product. So uh, branded business allows you uh, better profit margins. You know, you can charge those higher prices. You probably probably will spend less money on marketing because there is an inherent value in the brand itself. And then the big kicker, so in addition to doing better commerce, you're now creating an asset for yourself. You're now creating something that you can either sell, you can have an, ac an exit, or something you can license and create additional revenue streams. And there are a number of examples. So I've worked with several brands just speaking to the value of the brand equity. So I was president of Fat Fashions, the company founded by Russell Simmons, Kimora Lee Simmons. The brands were Fat Farm and Baby Fat. And we were very successful. However, at one point, Russell sold, not the company, uh, not the inventory. There were no machinery. There were no staff. He sold just the IP rights, just the intellectual property rights to the two brands. And he sold that for $140 million to a company called Kelwood. So again, he had enjoyed all the commerce, owning the business, running it successfully, having a strong brand or strong brands. And then he sold the IP rights for $140 million. And similarly, I was president of a company called BB Endeavors. BB Endeavors was founded by Bethany Frankel, one of the housewives of New York. She created a brand called Skinny Girl. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it was known she created while she was on the show and it was Skinny Girl Cocktail, Skinny Girl Margarita. Uh, and she sold, again, not the company, not even the whole brand. She sold only the IP rights, rights to alcoholic beverage, to Beams and Tours. So just the alcoholic beverage rights for $100 million. So that's the power of brand. And now if I, if you, you know, I, I know I talk a lot. I have a lot to say. No, I so like it. I in, love in, it. In, in terms of the pricing, uh, I want to give you just another example because I have always used a very kind of simplistic method of going to market. And it's called good, better, best in pricing. I never go to market with just one price because I recognize regardless of where you are on the you know consumer pyramid, or you're an upper echelon of luxury, on you're the bottom and catering to the masses. There's always someone that is pushing to break out of that segment they're in. They're as aspiring to go further. And, and there is always someone teetering on the brink on the bottom that, that may just barely hang on. So good, better, best. In, in terms of, you know, fashion brands, for instance, you know, best, that's, that's the spear of the fashion pyramid. Uh, and, and it serves as the halo. These are the products that are in the window that may stop someone, but when they walk into the store, at least back in the day when people did go to stores, those pieces weren't the pieces that they ultimately bought. They were the showstoppers, right? And then uh, the better is where you kind of conduct most of your commerce. And then the good is obviously opening price points, allowing so- someone to participate. And so one example, we, we launched a brand called Kuji. Kuji used to be actually a multicolored sweater back in the day. Um, but uh, we kind of, uh, we acquired a brand and we retooled it into a really high end, uh, super successful streetwear brand. And when we wanted to go to market, uh, we, we kind of looked at, okay, how do we position it pricing wise, price wise, we want it to be kind of an aspirational brand. So we created a halo product called Kuji Lux. And, and our day, you know, uh, bread and butter was we were looking to sell jeans in the $129 range. Mm. Um, so we built a showroom. We had the $129 jeans. But before you could get to them in the front of the showroom, we created the Kuji Lux showroom. In the Kuji Lux showroom, we had jeans selling for $498. Now, that's expensive for a jean. Yeah. And every buyer that came in had to walk through the Kuji Lux showroom. And they were shown the $498 jeans. And we watched them, you know, bite their lower lip, clench their fists, break out in sweats, because they couldn't afford that jean. And they didn't know how to tell us that they were not going to be buying. But by the time we walked them into the Kuji showroom with $129 jean, you could literally see a sigh, you know, there was a sigh of relief and the shoulders dropped and we sold boatloads of the $129 jean. Mm. So that's just something you can do with pricing and price positioning. So it's a re- really solid, um, I think some people as well call it price anchoring, um, you, you know, of like seeing seeing that higher price and, and then that 100, like if, if you compare it with like maybe a $30 pair of jeans, right, that you get off Amazon or something, then you're like, wow, 129, that's expensive. But when you're comparing it with $500 jeans, you're like, exactly. oh, that's like 80% less. 
exactly. I, 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 I love that point. Now, there seems to be a pattern with a lot of your campaigns, and, and that is provoking a strong emotional response. So yes. firstly, how, how what what's the system, what's the process for like provoking that strong emotional response? And then secondly, why is that so important? Well, I, I think, you know, almost all purchasing decisions, actually most consumer actions are driven by emotions first. Hmm. So I think it's actually critically important. And, uh, you know, in the world of brands, as I said, uh, I, where I've been living, I think all great brands have a few things in, in common and, and they are credible and they are authentic and they're aspirational. So the aspiration is what makes people kind of look up to them. And you can imagine if you can't make that strong emotional connection, it is hard to check the boxes of being a powerful brand. And you can go through, it does not really matter. Uh, any one of the better brands in the world today make some type of an emotional connection. And you can take that further. Certain brands are what you would call almost uh, culture brands where, you know, uh, maybe Harley Davidson, you know, the open road, it's a certain consumer that rest that rest of the, you know, they see themselves or take Apple products, you know, uh, they, they burst onto the scene kind of sort of knocking off IBM and IBM had a campaign running at the time just called think because they were IBM and they were really, you know, uh, ruling the pack. So if you were thinking you were IBM, well, uh, Apple launched Think Different, right? So the Apple culture was new, different for creatives. You you consider yourself a, a creative, you have Apple. So these culture brands are very powerful, and and those, that's all driven by by emotion. And I, I often say, you know, uh, when you're dealing with consumers, they may forget what you say, they may even forget what you do. They will never forget how you make them feel. So it's of critical importance. It's, it's so so powerful to to have that all the way through through the process and and the buyer journey from start to finish as well is to create that emotion because like you say that's that's what helped you close that three and a half billion dollar deal is because you sold on emotion first because you understand that's people need to be invested in the thing and then yeah. they'll go and work out the logic of how they're going to pay for the thing late later on which is that, which that's is exactly right yeah. Now, when, we, when we're talking about brand equity as well, there's seven steps to creating wealth through brand equity. So I know you go into detail of these in, in the book, Billion Dollar Branding Blueprint, but yeah. just just briefly now, just run us through those those seven steps. What are they? All right. So uh, I don't think, I mean, that gets a little tedious to go through yeah. every single step. But, but in essence, what we do in the book or what I do in the book is I... I walk you kind of through the various steps of, of how um, you gain credibility, how you go from having an idea uh, where you have to start by, by asking yourself, what, what, what purpose do you serve? To what end? Because you have to start there. The world does not need another product. It does not need another service. We have very few like basic fundamental needs left uh, to be filled. So at the end of the day, uh, you need to serve a purpose. You need to solve a problem. So you need to start there. So that's the most fundamental thing uh, that we do. And once you have that, there are certain you know planning steps that allow you to do better business. 
And so, uh, you know, I have certain things in there where I say, you know, hope is not a strategy. So because you have to plan and that leads into the SWAT where you focus on what your strengths and, and you know, weaknesses and opportunities and threats. And, and, and I tell you to kind of double down and focus on your unfair competitive advantage, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that type of stuff. And it goes like step by step all the way up to where the seventh step, uh, which is brand acceleration, which is kind of what we touched on, which is the portion I really love because that's your true monetization of all of your hard work. And uh, in that, that's where we talk about a celebrity engagement as a way to take what you have created and, and, and create brand acceleration. So celebrity and then licensing, which is where you get best in class operate. Because now, remember, you are now created you're at the seventh step. You have brand equity. Your brand has value in the mind of the consumer. And now, instead of you doing everything on your own and you pushing that, you know, boulder uphill by yourself, by with licensing, you can go and get best in class operators within every product class that you want to be in and have them commit their resources, their team, their advertising budget to promote your brand and your message out to the marketplace. So licensing is very powerful. I could, you know, it's a whole separate podcast. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the monetization through licensing. And then lastly, I also strongly recommend board of advisors. Mm. Mentors are critically important. And, you know, we always say uh, your network is your net worth, right? And, and having that type of a network that you can tap into, I think is critically important. Uh, so, yeah, that's, our, you know, high level what the book, book does. And thanks for bringing it up. Appreciate yeah. the plug. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I love that part and especially the whole licensing side of things. I imagine then the profit margins on licensing is so much higher because, like you say, you're not thinking about the advertising or the, doing the production or having a massive uh, amount of team and staff. So you can you can have reduce all those costs down and just focus on your high-end profit margin. Is that about right? Or uh, That's a 1,000% right, and that's one of the big reasons why I like it so much because the reality is... When you are when you are created the brand and and you have the ability to license, really all you need is a, a small team that understands the brand itself, hmm. and and the focus is now really just on policing and educating uh, all surrounding your brand. So you you want to police the licensees because uh, there is always the possibility that you get someone that's opportunistic and they want to cut corners. But in all the all good licensing deals, you, the brand owner, retain 100% creative control. So everything has to be approved. So if you don't approve a product, if you don't approve a marketing campaign, it doesn't go. So the only thing you need, you know, you need to have a team that can stay in constant touch with the licensees and, and manage what they're doing, but more specifically, provide them with the tools. So I always like to create what we call a brand book or a brand Bible. And it shows how the brand is supposed to be treated. It has the colors and it has the logo, but the brand book is a lot more than that. It's kind of all about all the consumer touch points and managing that experience, which is also part of what we talk about in the book, where, you know, uh, you have to have like all great brands. You have to have consistency. Mm. That, that's of critical importance. Brand consistency is kind of how you have that repetition of message in the mind of the consumer. And the reality is, 
I've done this now for a long time. I don't think it's particularly credible. There are very few companies can re really claim with a straight face that they are best in class in every product. Meaning, if you make really, really, really good jeans, why would I think that you would be the best person to make the you know, corresponding watch? Mm. No, they're completely different businesses. The watch industry, you have to have a strong aftermarket service component that you certainly don't, you know, you don't have that skill set if you were, if you created great genes. So that's why I'm saying licensing is such a phenomenal way to expand your brand universe. Because now if you take the example of, yes, you know how to make great genes. So you start by filling out, okay, so now you have the great t-shirts and, and the hoodies and, and uh, the outerwear, but why stop there? So here comes, you know, the sleepwear, the, the underwear, the intimate apparel, the swimwear, the bags, the backpacks, the luggage, the footwear. And then here comes the jewelry, the eyewear, the watch. And, and it goes on and on. So strong brands can have a, a very complete brand universe where uh, the consumer can kind of experience and interact with the brand across multiple you know, product categories. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's not credible, as I said, that there are very few companies that have the ability to do that in, in a seamless way that's better than anyone else. So uh, licensing allows you to tap into best-in-class operators within the space. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Now, uh, more slightly more personal question as well that we ask everyone who comes on the show, I, and I'm intrigued with you know the impact that you've already made in the world and the deals that you've done, is what do you want to be remembered for when you die? I wasn't aware that that was imminent, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you know something, you know something I don't, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, what do I want to be remembered for? I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to be remembered for any like one deal or, you know, mm. he was a deal maker. I, I would like to uh, think that I bring value. And by the way, what, what is the most important to me is the people that, you know, are the closest to me and the people that I love, right? So I'm hopeful that I will have made, you know, a, a real impact in their lives and instilled good values in them. But uh, first and foremost, I'm trying to bring value because it's no different than how we started the conversation about the emotional connection. And didn't, we didn't focus on the numbers or how big could that, you know, the largest celebrity deal ever done, how, how high was high. That wasn't the focus. Mm -hmm. The focus was how can we do this? What is the right thing to do? What's right for Jennifer? What's right for Mark? What's right for uh, Coles and their consumers? And similarly, that's really how I try to go about all of it. I, I try to bring value. So I would probably like to be thought of, of as someone that, you know, brought value and uplifted people around me. I love um, that. This is a really, really, really uh, powerful to just, you know, and I think as as you progress in career as well, you always look at it and just go. It goes from like making money, doesn't it? And money is just essentially a a, a scorecard, and then it's yeah. uh, they're giving the value and actually really helping people as much yeah. as possible and uh, the people around you. So that's that's fantastic. Now, what is one quick win that people can use to amplify their business today? Okay, I I, I think simplify. Mm. Um, because I've been thinking, um, and it's something, you know, it's so easy when you start building something and you're sitting in the lab and you're cooking up the idea, 
it's so easy, you know, thoughts build on thoughts and, you know, and we can do this and then we can do that and we should add this and, oh my God, we should. And by the time you come out of the lab and you go to markets and the lab is, you know, metaphorical, but by the time you, you go to market, you have cooked up something where you're spreading yourself too thin and you're diluting your resources and you're spending time and efforts over here and over here and you have multiple messages. And the reality is the marketplace is inundated with, with messaging today. And, and it's very hard to break through the clutter. So I think the absolutely simplest you know, like growth hack would be, uh, you know, simplify, focus, concentrate and dominate. One message. Um, that's really what I think more so than anything else, because as soon as you have to stop to explain what you do, you're starting to lose audience. Yeah, and and I think it happens at every level of business, right? It's like you it say, it's, it's like we're we're all like mad scientists as entrepreneurs, and they just go, exactly. "Well, this would be a great idea, and this would be a great idea," and just following. Uh, I think there's a book by Gary Keller, is it? That's like uh, the one thing. Yeah, um, and that's. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely done that remit. Now, Bernd, you've been amazing guest to have on the show, and it's been a pleasure for you to spend the time with us today. Where can people find out more about you, your book, and what you do? Yeah, so I uh, appreciate the question. And before I answer, just thank you so much for having me, Paul. I truly enjoyed it. Uh, great time, great questions. So uh, anytime in the future, happy to join you again. Wow. So in terms of the book, probably the easiest is to go to burntolman.com. And it's a peculiar Norwegian name. So I don't know uh, if we can put it up somewhere, but it's B-E-R-N-T. We'll show notes as well, yeah. yeah so. Okay. So burntolman.com. And quite frankly, as long as supplies last, I'm also happy to extend an offer uh, to your customers or to your audience, rather, um, that the book right now is for free. Uh, just pay shipping and handling. So, uh, you know, there's a team that's handling that, but I'm being told you know that there is a supply there so as long as supplies last uh go to burntalman.com get your free book Fan fantastic 100 go and check that out now burnt it's been amazing having you on the show you have been listening to the amplify to seven figures podcast with me paul ace and my amazing guest burnt allman remember amplify your business and amplify your life bye for now Thanks for listening to the Amplify to 7 Figures podcast. To access the show notes, episodes, and this month's giveaway, head over to www.amplifytosevenfigures.com. Remember, amplify your business, amplify, amplify your, your life. life.